This is your Drive Time News Blast, 30 minutes jam-packed with up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. And I, for one, am totally, completely, and utterly sick of the impeachment stuff. I don't care anymore. There's nothing new. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. How do you feel about it? <laughs> I feel the same way. I was watching Stephen Colbert last night, and his monologue has devolved into him not doing any jokes where he was literally just playing clips of Vindman and then afterwards coming back and instead of making a punchline, just giving him a round of applause. This was his monologue. That's when The Daily Show went bad, too. His predecessor, whatever, his buddy John Stewart, he started on The Daily Show – that when John Stewart, they used to laugh at George Bush, W, and it was funny, and it humanized Bush. And then when Bush was running for re-election, Stewart clearly, either he said it or he just did it, he wouldn't laugh anymore. He wouldn't make funny jokes involving Bush because it was just too humanizing. Yeah. And then it just wasn't funny anymore, and I stopped watching it. I used to watch it. I mean, not like avidly, but I could tolerate it. Yeah. And then it was just like, this isn't funny. I remember him saying once to Jim Cramer, this isn't funny. Like the Cramer, the, the like stock yeah, guy. Yeah, taking himself too seriously. And I'm like, John Stewart, your show is entirely devoted to making a joke out of serious news. That's when I'm like, we have a problem. No longer doing punchlines, and there's these self-righteous round of applauses being given in place of punchlines yes, at our late-night comedy shows. We yeah. have gone too far yes. with the obsession. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing about the politics anyway. But look, so I do have a few things about this stuff that, I mean, are newsworthy, I'll tell you, but I'm just – I'm sick of it. It's obviously you know, just silliness. It's t- keeping our eye off of so many other balls, but we're going to get our eyes back on those balls. And uh, I had a gym teacher who used to say her name literally was Slutsky, and she used to say, "Get your hands on some balls, girls." Well, <laughs> it's like, dude, I how can you be that out of touch with your audience? <laughs> I know that's a bit out of touch. I would say, <laughs> kind of as out of touch as Colbert is with us. Anyway, yeah. So, so the few things that I that uh, I observed today. Today is Sondland, EU Ambassador Sondland, who I thought was going to be like a clown, and he isn't. And actually, so he's testifying about some of these text exchanges between him, Volker, and Taylor. Volker and Taylor are both kind of diplomats involved in Ukraine, and Sondland is a diplomat to the EU. And I went back... You know, I can never, all this stuff really could, should just go to the original documents. I went back and looked at this, these texts, text exchanges that were released by Democrats that connected Volker, Sondland, and Taylor. And I don't know if they were exhaustive, like every single text was captured. It says it's like 22 minutes of, 22 pages of text, but it's really just a few pages of text and like pages and pages of screenshots. Yeah. But when I went back and looked at it, it, it was, it was, Except for a few references, it seems pretty consistent with how we've been dealing with Ukraine for years now. We asked them to do certain things. I read an article about George Soros saying he needed the 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 new government in Ukraine to 
convince the EU that they're committed to anti-corruption stuff so that the EU would give them $11 billion worth of aid, which Soros could then use for his own kind of manipulations with the financial markets and the energy markets over there. He wanted a backstop for somebody else to pay for it, of course. So I've seen a lot of this stuff where they they want these guys to make a clear statement of anti-corruption activities. When the aid the aid was restored in September, a senator, a Republican senator from Oklahoma, James Lankford, said, hey, Trump was just trying to fully vet Zelensky. Like, we just don't know. We we were kind of waiting to the last minute to put this aid over so we could see what this guy was made of. So there is a chance that that's all that was really going on, except for a few statements in these texts, which were one said that we just want to make sure Zelensky or Zelensky said he didn't want to be involved in U.S. didn't want to appear like he was kowtowing to U.S. political demands. And then it said reelection issues, something like that. And then later it said something about Burisma and 2016 election interference. Like, so you're saying that our meeting at the White House is contingent on Burisma and reelection. And at and both of those statements, the only two statements that seemed like really fishy, like a guy was wearing a wire kind of fishy, were made by Bill Taylor. Yeah. And then and and Sondland says to Taylor, I don't know what you're talking about. If you have serious concerns, call me. Like these texts are weird and doesn't make sense. Had you seen that already? I had read those texts, yeah, and I thought and- they looked like a setup. Didn't you feel the same way? Because, like, at first I thought the, the texts weren't even, like, real the way I was hearing about it. I was like, this does not make sense to me. But in back at Reddit, it looks like Taylor was a plant, mm-hmm. you know, and that he was doing that. And I and I wanted to – so that was just one thing that I felt like Sondland, Sondland was savvy enough to bat that back. His testimonies today, we're really not going to know what comes of it and probably till the end of the day. But one thing when I was doing some of this investigating – I found Yanukovych, uh, no, Yovanovich, the ambassador, the chick who's like, oh, I left, I was intimidated. In one of the articles I read in Kiev Post from a few months ago or, yeah, earlier in this year, it said she came out publicly, and this was maybe the subject of the whitewash in the Wall Street Journal article I read a few days ago or last week. It said she came out publicly, like, demanding the resignation of some one of the prosecutors again. Like, they're really in there trying to mess around with their internal politics. There's clearly a power struggle going on between the people we planted over there to conduct the anti-corruption operations and the people in Ukraine who are pushing back on this. So it said in that article, like, she made this public statement. It was totally weird for a diplomat to do that. But she, most ambassadors serve for three years, and her three-year term is almost up, so I guess she's just going out with a bang. Yeah. This is the chick who supposedly was pushed out by Trump. Yeah, that chick, they're painting her as uh, sympathetic and honorable and everything, and I'm just not buying it. No, she's a puppet master, and the story that he pushed her out or that she was intimidated or resigned out of like any reason other than the fact that three years are up— Makes no sense, and I don't. I'm not buying it. There's so keying off of that, where we come from with like the idea that these guys have competing factions. 
There's a news agency in Ukraine that is a mouthpiece for like Reuters and Associated Press and all that. So there's absolutely no chance this is the raw story. But it is the story that's coming out right now today that Ukraine MPs are demanding a couple of investigations. They say that Burisma, one way or another, funneled to the Biden's group or the Biden's and company uh, over $16 million, $5 million of which went directly to Rosemont, which is the joint, the financial company run by Hunter, Chris Hines, and Devin Archer. So they're saying money went directly from Burisma to Rosemont. That's in addition to the $800,000 salary or alongside or whatever. But we're talking big money, big money. And it says also that... Uh, that they're investigating $8 billion, they say, Zlochevsky and Yanukovych, that Zlochevsky, the head of Burisma, helped Yanukovych embezzle out of the country with the help of Democrats. Now, Yanukovych is the guy that the Democrats ran out of town, charged with murder so he would never get back, all that stuff. It is impossible for me to believe that's really what's going on. What is possible for me to believe, and it sounds just like the story where if you swap out the name Yanukovych and put in Kolomoisky, who is a Democrat guy, or at least a U.S. cooperator, that it would make sense. So they are investigating in Ukraine right now. This is today's news. Some big money transactions. I would try to pull back the curtain on that stuff, but I, I see that there's going to be more to it. Yeah, I think there's going to be... I think there's going to be some more to this ongoing saga. <laughs> I have more. I have to give you a little bit more. Hey, All right. Lord. So the guy who who put out the um, these Hill articles, John Solomon, I was like amazed that this stuff was in the Hill. He left the Hill, and now the Hill is revisiting his articles for veracity. So I was expecting him to get Atkinsoned, Atkinsoned. and uh, I actually I think I invented the term for him. <laughs> or maybe for the Epstein case, but that is what's happening. And uh, I'll give you the rest tomorrow. All right. So maybe there will be an investigation into the Bidens, yeah. I guess. I think I did the Atkinson thing off of what happened with the Epstein reporter. Remember the that the person who kind of blew the whistle on the fact that the Epstein story was spiked over at C ABC? That person got fired, and I've never heard another thing about it, although the Epstein stuff is back in the news. Yeah, there's been a few Epstein stories back in the news, and yesterday, or this morning, there was a story about how some correctional officers at the prison that Epstein was in were arrested, and they're being charged with falsifying documents and conspiracy to defraud the state. Because apparently these were the two officers that were supposed to be doing the mandatory 30-minute rounds to check on Epstein and the other inmates. But they not only didn't do the 30-minute rounds according to the indictment, they didn't check on Epstein between 10.30 and 6.30 the entire evening. And the reason they know this according to the indictment is because the cameras didn't show anybody walking into the you know, the camera area. Mm -hmm. And this is despite the fact that they were 13 <laughs> feet away. Their office is 13 feet away from Epstein, whom they put closest to their office so it would be easy to check on him. And the correctional officer who was working that evening is the same one who allegedly found Epstein the first time he tried to kill himself, which they say he tried to kill himself with a piece, a strip of the sheet of his bed. 
the police officer or the correctional's officer finds him, and that same officer doesn't check on him the entire evening, and they say this this confirms that he killed himself because nobody else except for two mysterious officers that go unnamed were in the camera area that evening. So they say he must have killed himself, to which I say people have escaped this prison before. In fact, a famous escape back in 1978 happened on the ninth floor, the same floor Epstein's on, and they did not grant El Chapo some privileges that he was asking for because they were afraid El Chapo was going to escape via helicopter from the top. And a few days before Epstein allegedly killed himself, that facility let out a serial mass robber by accident. So this doesn't prove anything, in my opinion. And they can they can loop those camera things and stuff. And who it's are these two fake. mysterious people? There's these two other correctional officers. Only only four the officers. The ones who were arrested? No, not the ones who were arrested. Yeah, there's four officers. Two of right. them were arrested, and two more mysteriously were in the camera frame. And then they just say those officers have not been named, and then they just leave those out. Maybe Epstein is disguised as an officer. Oh my gosh, well, thirteen <laughs> feet is very close, and he didn't yeah. hang himself. Like he choked himself to death. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I imagine there would be some thrashing about. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, I'm not trying right. to. Laugh. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was thinking too. And they started to make the article. They started to move it away from Epstein and make it about. Well, it's not the prison guards' fault. It's the systemic problems with the justice system. That's what caused it, and the problems with oh. the prison facility. Justice system, prison facilities, that's right. I always forget these underlying things. I have been keeping my eye open for prison reform ever since I was shocked to see Obama say, okay, enough of the private prison complex. I was like, that's amazing. Like, if he really accomplishes that, I will think that he's, like, not on the take. But, yeah. lo, that was just his way of trying to, like um, – you know, a voice register his protest for for his legacy without it having any difference at all. And my guess is they're going to double down. And the real tell was when there was a New York prison escape that had the same plot line as the TV show Prison Break. Yeah, it was like they vet him and they get him <laughs> to your mind. Like you're like, oh, that could really happen. Yeah. So I want to give you an update on Hong Kong. All right. Oh, by the way, about Epstein, did you see this, that Prince Andrew basically, like, is taking a leave of absence from being a prince? Yeah, I have a bunch <laughs> of stuff on that also. He did an interview last late last week, and he's— And he said uh, he couldn't even remember this chick, and I'm thinking, wow, how many teenagers did you sleep with? Well, he doesn't remember her. He says that that picture isn't real, so he uses a deep fake no. 15 years ago. For a photo 15 years ago, he says he points to the hands on the picture, says his fingers aren't that fat, and then his ultimate proof in this interview he's giving, he says he knows that person is not him for a couple of reasons. He says he was at home babysitting his daughters. They went to a pizza place that night, which I thought was an interesting twist to throw in there. Makes you, you know think what? Night, for sure. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah, 15 nice. years Good. ago, whenever, how do you remember that? But then he says right. he knows it's not him because the man in the photo is sweating. And he gave the revelation that he has a weird disease where he never sweats. That's wow. He never sweats is how he knows that's not he him. He would definitely die. Right. And so a lot of people are distancing themselves from him over there. And from his kookiness. There's allegedly – Randy Andy. Yeah, there's allegedly a judge considering unsealing like, page, like thousands of more pages of documents from the case, the Epstein case, from a defamation case in 2015 that allegedly – have more damning information about Prince Andrew, and 
They think he a was defamation kinda, case. Do you know what? It was Ooh. involving Guffrey and Maxwell. Yeah. Wow. I don't know the specific yeah, details yeah, of right. it. Uh, the but the ABC chick said that Victoria Roberts, because I don't know how to pronounce her last name, had pictures. Yeah. Basically laid out the whole scenario. So I don't think we've seen all the pictures. No, I think that that's what they're saying that might come out in this release and that Prince and Andrew. And deep fake him? Exactly. He already nice. planted the deep fake defense in mind. <laughs> the deep fake defense hashtag. I'm going to put that in my glossary. I wanted to give you an update. Or do you want to, are you, is that it for what's Hoosier Mathlotsis? It is for that, yeah. All right. So Hong Kong. Uh, this stuff, it continues, of course, the siege, the, I, I, what, the story that's coming out is that the students who are, the protesters who are inside the university can't get past the police siege. Some of them are trying to get out through the sewers. I don't know. I don't know if that, what's remaining are real protesters or hostages or what. It's impossible to tell. But one thing that did happen since last we spoke, I believe it was since last we spoke, a Senate that the Senate passed a bill. I mentioned it yesterday, but they actually passed it, the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, which requires that the State Department every year make a report on if Hong Kong is, quote, sufficiently autonomous. Now, if it does, it does other things, too, it it bans munitions exports to the police. I'm waiting for them to ban them to the protesters, but yeah. that doesn't mention that. And But there was a woman, Susan Thornton, who was a 25-year State Department employee. She was the highest-ranking person in, in East Asia. She was under Tillerson. She was the Assistant Secretary of State for East Asia, and she was interviewed recently on a range of subjects. And she said that this this Human Rights Democracy Act makes no sense. Don't know what these guys are trying to accomplish. It will only punish the wrong people by withdrawing Hong Kong's uh, sufficiently, you know, autonomous status. You open the door for removing special treatment when it comes to uh, trading, export control. And then it opens it up to diplomatic action, economic sanctions. So either they're trying to play into China's hands or they're trying to to drive people in Hong Kong to agitation and desperation. I think either explanation is possible. Or both. Because you drive one to desperation, it's going to force the other one to take more drastic actions as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it would play out. But I just think that, I mean, it's always in the back of my mind that we, that we're not really adversaries with China. Like, I know it seems impossible to believe that. And it I, doesn't I, to I, me if you're talking yeah. world communist takeover. Yeah, you have to, I mean, we're, I think always at one level of the chess game, you're trying to get all of the cogs to fit together and, and maybe some, it's easier in some areas than others to get them to do it voluntarily. Maybe we're trying to get China to declare Hong Kong a fully integrated part of China way before 2047. I mean, and it, and it looks, you know, everybody seems all PO'd and probably the chief executive of Hong Kong is not aware of this, but the president of China probably is, if that's it. But I mean, that's just me down the rabbit hole. In the meanwhile, this thing is inexplicable. It still has to pass the House, but if it does, it's definitely not going to help those guys in Hong Kong. 
Yeah, I wonder how many of those protesters in Hong Kong could tell exactly what launched this entire protest movement that they're so deeply involved in now. Well, there's plenty of reporting on it. I read Cartolucci and Mint Press has it. And then one of the things I was reading a new article about that today, talking about the National Endowment for Democracy. I just could not believe this little tidbit. So the National Endowment for Democracy and USAID are both like U.S. government front organizations. It's well established. You can just look into how they're funding, funded and how they operate. But two of the people who, who are on the board of the National Endowment for Democracy, which is behind the Hong Kong thing, are Elliot Abrams, who's responsible for re- regime change in so many places, including Venezuela right now. And I just was like, really, seriously, Victoria Newland who is responsible for the Ukraine coup, is on the board of the National Endowment of Democracy, which is <laughs> behind the Hong Kong protest. You just wow. Can't make the stuff up. All the same players, <laughs> always at the center of the controversy. Same MO, everything. And they're always pro-democracy, even though they're like they're everywhere you look, from Egypt to Ukraine to Bolivia to Venezuela, they are driving out people who are installed as a result of democracy. I think every dictator that rose to power rose to power on the back of claiming a pro-democracy movement. But democracy lends itself to mob rule anyway. It's not I'm not defending democracy. I'm just saying they have to stop calling themselves Democrats. They're fa- fascists. Right. <laughs> they know? are, yeah. But the people like that Like Newland and Abrams are just fascists. These are just technocrats. They're world, you know what I mean, and they don't care who they kill. They don't care who they kill. Yeah, you just tell your followers that the other person's evil and that you're a pro-democracy movement regardless of what it is, and people be like, all right. And this is all where they're saying democracy fails with Yanukovych, with Morsi, with Maduro, with, uh, just person after person, even with Trump and Boris Johnson. They're like, well, democracy is failing here. We need to tweak it. Yeah. First, we need to technocrat it. Don't forget what happened in Italy when they started circling the drain. The democratically elected guy was removed and a European banker was inserted. Pure technocracy. And it didn't even make a ripple in the pond. Slow and subtle. And then all at once. Well, anyway, I mean, it's just weird and obvious. And if people aren't realizing it, they're just, I mean, and I got so heavily trolled last night on Twitter. It was so, so hilarious. I mean, I really encourage people to look at this guy yelling at me, calling me a petulant libertarian Nazi. Oh, wow. That was fun. That's a new one. And then what else did he call me? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, Dimmer. That Trump was only slightly dimmer than I am. Oh, wow. It's a, it's a hardcore troll. <laughs> and, you know, he seemed like a regular troll. And then I looked, and the only people he attacks are 75, 80% of the people he attacks are women. Yeah. Then I just had to feel bad for the guy. But he's progressive, though, so you're allowed to do that when you're a progressive. Uh, he's just some kind of deeply, deeply sad Deeply Twisted. disturbed bot. Yes, I'm very glad that that we are only connected in the in the digiverse. <laughs> yeah, you think he's like that in person? He just goes at every woman that passes by. Oh no, I think he's probably a mealy mouthed Casper Milk Toast. <laughs> so the debate is tonight in Atlanta, and I think the debate. I see the debate like this: Stacey Abrams is sitting in the middle of a strip club, and a bunch of strippers are coming one by one to audition for her to select them. 
I think that most of the people on the debate stage tonight, while they'll be speaking to the broader audience, well, they, they make fun of Trump. Oh my Trump gosh. followers a lot. They're going to be speaking yes. to Stacey Abrams in the debate tonight. They're auditioning most, for her. You're so right. Yeah. I think you said that before, but I just wasn't. When you put it in the strip club context, like I could just visualize She's it. She's going to be going next, next, next. They're going to be. <laughs> I think. I think it would be fantastic if every time one of the candidates said something, the camera just cut to Stacey Abrams to see if her if she's reacting with approval. But she's looking them up and down. At yeah. one point, like in the middle, they'll be answering the questions. She's like, give us a spin, would you? Okay, she, now yeah. shake it, take your shirt off. Yeah, <laughs> like there you the go. Saturday Night Live of like um, Chris Farley versus Patrick yeah. Swayze <laughs> interviewing for Chippendales. She already hosted a <laughs> DNC thing this morning. It was a DNC-sponsored thing where she was talking about the debate. I'm sure she was giving the – the sizes and the type of moves that she would like to see tonight. And I think there's going to be a lot of Pete Buttigieg focus tonight because Atlanta, for one, he has emerged in the polls, whether that's natural or not. Of course. Two, Atlanta. saw that coming. Yeah. Atlanta is the one of the gay capitals of the country, and it has a big African-American community, and civil Georgia rights home. And Georgia is key. There was just exactly. an article in Reuters saying Georgia is like the key to the 2020. I mean, they're going to lose, but I assume they're going to lose, but I'm always wrong. Yeah. We're going to see civil rights talk. We're going to see talk of abortion, which we haven't seen much of in the debates yet until now. And we're going to hear stuff about voter suppression because that is what Stacey Abrams Demand. Yes, and we have our man on the ground in Atlanta, Garland Favrito, with Voter GA. He should be able to give us some insights. We should give him some assignments. Oh, you think he's going to be at the debate tonight? No. Well, maybe. Actually, maybe. But I think as this thing unfolds, if voter suppression or whatever is going to be a big topic, we could ask him to just follow that. He's bigger on the tech stuff, yeah. the machines and everything. But I think we could – I mean, I think that he could probably give us a lot of insight. Tonight in the debate is the total merging of – we've seen this all over the place, but Hollywood and politics fully coming together tonight in this debate. It's being held at Tyler Perry's brand-new studio. Tyler Perry is a billionaire, by the way, so if they start talking trash about billionaires, their host is a billionaire. But I don't think you can be an oligarch unless you're white. It's like – reverse racism you know what i mean like yeah can't, i guess it's okay he's, he's gonna use because look at oprah they never give oprah a is she a billionaire time. i guess she is isn't she i think she's yeah i think she is too yeah i mean yeah she was in the billionaires club with with um gates and buffett and their first order of business was to reduce the world's population and they call <laughs> it the good guys club i'm like don't you understand, like, the definition of good is to promote human life? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not decimate it? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. I want to read you a quick thing. Do you have something? No, go for it. I'm, I want to talk about Martin Shkreli, but I'll talk about him tomorrow. All right. This is in a, a book about con artists. It's a guy who traveled with con artists in the... 20s and he documented their their games and the way they manipulate people and just how they exploit assumptions and this really rang true to me about all of politics and why people are so divided on the left and right because the con artists that are in office are exploiting people's assumptions it says the public is not only apathetic but naive towards the relationship between the confidence man and the law the man on the street sees crime something like this if a confidence man trims someone he should be indicted, punished, and he should be caught, and then, if convicted, go to jail. 
And it says the average citizen, if we ignore his tendency to wax sentimental about criminals, can be generally accounted on to adopt the following assumptions. The victim of the swindle is both honest and unfortunate. That the officers of law want to catch the con men. That the court wishes to convict criminals. That if the court frees the con men, they are ipso facto innocent. And that if convicted, they will be put in the penitentiary where they will serve and work hard labor. If these assumptions are even approximated fact, then the confidence men would have long ago found it impossible to operate. And then it goes on and does a whole chapter. What is this? This is called the Big Con. And the, the rest of that chapter is about how con men by police, by politicians, and that every that all of them are in the pockets of con artists. With yeah, the exception, we have to uh, dig into this on a propaganda. Report. Yes, yes. I didn't want to go too deep on it here, but I wanted to put yeah. that out there because this is why these assumptions are why the left and the right are divided. Except the assumptions are made about their own parties, good, moral; the other ones, evil, always wrong. And these assumptions are exploited by these politicians, and this gives us this impeachment fiasco and all the other craziness that we see. And people think that. The con men are not in the halls of power. Right, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. There's a. There's they a go into these expression. positions. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's the thing. That the, the dumb ones are the ones who are on the street. The yeah. dumb ones are wasting their time picking your pocket. Bingo. The smart ones. Yeah, and you have to realize those are people who don't have, like, whatever. The guy who's picking your pocket has a different set of ethics, if any at all. Right? He has none or different from yours. Yeah. Right? That's what they have. So. Those people are everywhere, and they are succeeding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So just use your head if you have no scruples whatsoever. Not every, no matter what you are, a banker, a lawyer, a politician, you are not in the position. You are not being – every time you do something wrong, you're not caught. Most of it is self-policing. That's what morality is for, and that's why the people at the top won't eradicate morality even though they could. Yeah, they need it because it controls the public. Yeah, because it, we're self-policing, and they're not. It makes us the vulnerable. It makes us vulnerable, but it's also good to be moral, so that is the challenge that we must fight. Well, if there's a if there's a if any kind of karma or afterlife or whatever, yeah. but then you can also say, you know, like my mother wonders why I get so worked up about all this stuff, and she's like, yeah, God's up in his heaven, you know, And but you can just give up, and then they win, in which case you wonder if it's all – that whole thing is a scam coming and going. I don't think that. I can't live like that, and I don't see the world that way. But it's, you know, the, my intellectual side goes down that road sometimes. I think Tolstoy did it too, so I'm kind of in good company there. But I want – don't don't go. I want to hear about uh, some of the more fun little tidbits you said you had. Well, invisibility cloaks are real now. You can buy them. I totally want one. And it's like they describe it as – there's a video of it. I can put the I just link. feel like it will make me look thinner, like a partial. Like can you turn it down Maybe you a can do bit? a partial. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can. I mean if they can make an invisibility cloak, surely they can make a partial invisibility cloak. <laughs> now I'm starting to wonder if there's somebody around me right now now that I'm thinking about this. But, like shallow Hal, you can just like see somebody totally different. Yeah, that would be a fantastic product if you could do I that. I think so. I think I just figured out the applied science here. Of course, it would be a weird gift to give. Like I got you this gift. It's going to make <laughs> me see you as something far more attractive to me than you are currently. <laughs> 
So tell me about it. Well, it uses what it calls quantum stealth material to pull the trick off about – which is they use the bending light technique. And I know you have another I had an idea. When I used to watch Star Trek, I, I would think, like, how does the Klingon have a cloaking device? And I thought, I've got it. If they had a camera on the back and a TV on the front, then you could just project what's behind you on the front of you, and the people would think that they were looking straight through you. I like it. That's interesting. I would, I, like to, I would have to see that in practice, but I can kind of see it now. Well, I'm assuming that like a police body the tech cam would be type? there. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, like if a policeman's body cam had a if he had a screen on his back and it projected what he was seeing, you wouldn't see him at all. Well, that yeah, you should you should put that should product into that. production. <laughs> it says here you can get I'd one for a hundred dollars with quantum stealthiness. Yeah, well, a hundred bucks. That's, like that's it. Einsteinian thing. A little bending space time. I think it would hurt. <laughs> I do. And what about the? I, I really like the idea. I kind of think it plays off of that of the of video games and driverless cars. Oh yeah, they are now doing studies and they're testing to put immersive video games inside of autonomous cars because the article says you could. What are you going to do? You have all this free time now. <laughs> I mean, you realize how freaking preposterous it all is. Like, nobody saw this coming. You have all this free time. I want Grand Theft Auto. I want that video game to be a combination of Grand Theft Auto and Pokemon Go. Yeah. So as you're driving, you think that you're running over, like, the pregnant lady on the sidewalk (laughs) and all that. But it just proves that we don't need driverless cars. Wait, was that a character in Grand Theft Auto, the pregnant lady on the sidewalk? (laughs) I don't know. I just remember walking in when my husband finally relented and let my son play first-person shooter or whatever. And he hit the sidewalk with the car right away. I he... look, and they and what he was doing, he wasn't actually even in the beginning playing the game. Yeah. He was just killing. That's what you do when you play that game. <laughs> and then years later, you, you start to wonder, what if I'm living in one of those games and somebody's playing me right now? I better be nicer to these characters. See, those things just, like when you start getting crazy thoughts like that, like, are we real? Is this somebody's dream? Can I really feel this table? I mean, I'm just like, I don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. For me, it does. If I'm going to play these games now, I'm going to do the missions and stop needlessly driving up and down the sidewalk. Oh, on okay. And but we would into know their... if, if people who are playing th- this simulated game were going to violate rules like that, we'd see it more often. Maybe. I don't know. Now we're, you're giving me tired head. The game, my... the game, though, is it enables drivers. This is the funniest part about it to me. To... Because the whole thing about a lot of these games is to play multiplayer with your with your friends online yes, and yes, talk to yes. them and stuff. Yeah. This game is going to allow you to connect with drivers who are nearby in their autonomous vehicles, and you can play group games. So, totally. As if you it's didn't Grand Theft Auto. already hate the people in traffic enough, now you have a competitive game that you can get even madder at them. I mean, that will really, I mean, you talk about video games training kids to be soldiers. Imagine if it's like a Pokemon Go Grand Theft Auto synthesis in your driverless car. I mean, it's. Yeah, this looks like a terrible idea. (laughs) Driverless cars are, 
mean, they will save a lot of lives. Like, what if it's I a first-person shooter? People driving around. They're in their autonomous cars. or in their back of the car. Everybody's got guns. Yeah, I think that that's what's going to happen. And, and and even my kid who has Down syndrome, like, I don't know where he picked this up. And now all of a sudden he does like he'll point his finger at you and like shoot a gun, which you know what I mean? Like a finger gun. Yeah. Which they're really not allowed to do at school anymore. Yeah, yeah. And so and it's very hard to like untrain him of this kind of stuff. And, like, with all the racial stuff that comes across the board and political stuff, like, he just repeats, and it's just whatever. That's the kind of thing where if you're, like, a little not savvy mentally, this could lead to kind of kooky behavior, the stuff that you bring too close to your reality. Well, yeah, no more finger guns at school. One of my friend's kids got in trouble for doing something like that, Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. But if you had an invisibility cloak, you could. Yeah, you would never have. Yeah, I would love an invisibility <laughs> cloak, to be honest with you. If they're only 100 bucks, I might get one. Dude, you will definitely degenerate just like the first transporter mission in the new Enterprise. People turned out to be just like a pile of goo. What happened? They in The first, like when they started doing the... The Star Trek movies in the beginning. I mean, it was part of the movie, but they were like trying out the transporter on the new oh, ship. Oh, yeah. Everybody <laughs> was scared to try it. Yeah. Yeah. And the person, like the people came back with like arms sticking out of their heads. They were no longer viable. Well, it's not you anymore. It deconstructs the person yeah, and puts together that's the another other person. Thing. That's the other thing. Like That always creeped soul. me out about yeah. transporters. Well, fortunately, I don't have to deal with the transporters yet, but perhaps in coming time and you guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com at 4 p.m. or your favorite podcasting platform with the propaganda report podcast feed enjoy the debate tonight if you watch it and if not enjoy whatever it is that you do maybe you go out in nature instead and we will talk to you guys tomorrow